tonight we're beginning, uh, uh, starting a study on the days of Noah. Amen. And, um, you know, we're living in unprecedented times. We're living in times such as we've never seen before. Amen. The reason being is because not only is history being made, but prophecy is being fulfilled. Everything has been pre-written. Everything has been, uh, amen, destined. And uh, praise God, I believe that all that is taking place, uh, amen, is uh, seen in heaven before we see it here. Amen. But how many knows that we have the authority here on earth, amen, to, um, to maintain, praise God, uh, the, the authority and the power of God. And so... Uh, tonight, we're going to get right into it. I uh, told you to encourage you to bring, uh, amen, things to write down some notes with. Uh, and so tonight, um, we're going to uh, get started uh, in that. Now, tonight's, uh, this is this will last uh, several weeks. It's not going to be something that's going to be over in uh, two or three Thursday nights. But uh, tonight is really kind of breaking the ground and kind of setting the preface before we get into a lot of the meat of it, um, talking about uh, going back and uh, just kind of setting the, the, the place for it. So uh, again, if you uh, brought something to take notes with, amen, I encourage you to do that. If you have any questions afterwards, you can always uh, you can always see me and let me know, and I'll try not to get preachy, uh, amen, but I can't promise you anything. Amen, praise God, because the word of God excites me. Amen? Hallelujah. We're living in exciting times. Jesus said when we see all these things, to look up. Because our final redemption is right there. It is right there. Amen. There's so many things tonight. So uh, we're going to begin. Uh, we're going to preface by reading out of the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 24, verses 36 through 39. You, uh, amen. You don't have to stand tonight. Uh, we're going to, uh, amen, just set this as the... Uh, the preface sitting in the reading, we'll have several scriptures, amen, that we'll reference tonight, but uh, again, uh, we're going to uh, get started into reading that. So, Jesus said, the words of bread here, he said, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Amen. So uh, again, Jesus is speaking here. He's talking to his disciples. They are asking him... Um, about how they'll know when he's coming and how they'll know the signs that Jesus is speaking here. And so we also know, amen, that uh, in the scripture it speaks again uh, about the days of Noah. So uh, we, we're looking tonight at uh, this study in the days of Noah, and we want to uh, we want to see what the Bible uh, says about it. How many knows that uh, there are patterns and there are things in the Word of God, that God is a God of patterns, Amen. He's a God of cycles. He's a God, amen, that sets things in the beginning that are in the end. Amen. And the things in the beginning uh, are in the end and the end is in the beginning. That's just how God works. And so we're going to get right into this, amen, and uh, talking tonight. So 
Uh, everybody likes stories, right? We all like stories, amen? Uh, everyone likes to uh, hear a story. But how do we know that a story is important? How is it that we really uh, know that a story is important? There's a couple of things I think that we can, uh, we can use to gauge whether or not a story is important. One, one, is it a story that people have told again and again for a long time? Amen? So, uh, is a story important? Amen? Is it one that uh, people have told over and over uh, for a long time? The second thing, is it a story that everybody tells almost everywhere? And so, when we think about, uh, about a story and how a story is important, first of all, again, uh, it's a story that people have told again and again for a very long time. Also, it's a story, amen, that Everybody tells almost everywhere. So there's not a story on earth that is uh, more important than the story of a great flood. The story of Noah. The story of Noah and the ark. Why? Because it's been told for as long as there's been memory of the human race. And then the story of the great flood in one form or another has been told everywhere. Different continents and different civilizations. And so uh, that's how we can see that this story uh, of Noah, the story of the great flood, is important. So whether you read it from uh, uh, the Gilgamesh or the Babylonian uh, uh, sources, or you read it from Native American sources, uh, or uh, wherever the source that you read about a man, the great flood, about uh, the great deluge, as it's uh, said sometimes, amen, the Bible tells us the element, an element of the story that other sources don't tell. And that emphasis that the Bible has on this story is on the preparation of the disaster. So uh, the Bible tells us uh, more about the preparation, uh, getting ready for the Great Flood. A lot of the other sources and in all the other countries and some of the other continents and some of the other languages uh, and sources, they tell of a Great Flood. Uh, but the Bible gives us an element of that, which is, uh, again, the uh, preparation for that. So the Bible tells us how was one man chosen? How was it that there was one man chosen? What precisely was this one man chosen to do? The Bible gives us uh, uh, some of these answers. Why are those things important to us today? Why is it? Why would Jesus see the need to tell the disciples as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man? And he said, up until the time that the flood came, they were eating and drinking, giving in marriage, becoming wives and taking wives. And so they were living life as if everything was okay. They were living life as if there was nothing to be concerned about. So uh, we want to see why that's important for us today, why Jesus would uh, allude to the story of Noah back in the book of Genesis. Now, we usually hear the story of Noah on more of a childish level, right? Noah and the ark, we hear it, we teach it to our preschoolers, we teach it in the nursery class, we have uh, those murals of it, amen, in Sunday school rooms, and so we hear about the story of Noah and the ark, and about the flood, and about God saving uh, uh, Noah and his family, but we normally hear it on a childish level, right? We don't hear a lot of details about the story. But I want to look at, as we look, get into this study, and as we begin to move into what the Bible says, I want us to look at 
of what ancient Jewish wisdom reveals about the story of Noah that will give us insight and give us revelation. Uh, I believe that if Jesus saw fit to say that in the days that he would be coming, in the days leading up to his coming, Matthew 24 speaks all about the days that we are in right now, all of the signs and things that would come uh, to let us know that the coming of the Lord was near. So uh, if the Lord uh, saw fit to let us and speak to us about that, then I believe that it's important or that it's vital or necessary for us to look into that and to see what kind of insight and what kind of revelation that is in there. Amen. How many knows that when you understand the whys of what God does, it makes more sense even when you do not see what God is exactly doing. But when you see the whys of what God is doing, it kind of helps you have a little more understanding. And for me, it increases the faith. So uh, that's what we want to do tonight as we begin to look into this Bible study, as we begin to look into the days of Noah, what does the Bible say about it? What does the book of Genesis, the story, tell us? What is the things that uh, that took place that led up to uh, the, the great destruction, the great flood? What was it that brought about all of these things uh, in the scripture that would cause Jesus to liken it unto the days that we are living right now. There's a time right now when there are several people in the church. I think I, I said this on uh, on Sunday. I'm not, not sure, but there are several people in the church who are still a little fearful, even though they are saved, even though they are Christians. There's still a little bit of anxiety. There's still a little bit of fear about the coming of the Lord, about uh, whether or not they're truly going to be ready uh, whenever everything takes place. And so the enemy's going to take advantage of that. The enemy's going to uh, bring that demonic spirits that work on his behalf are going to uh, work extra hard to try and convince people that they're not enough, that they're not ready, that uh, uh, all of these things are, uh, are just not there. So uh, uh, I want us to get started, and I want... Uh, to show you, I, I made something here. This is a, a jar of stones, amen, and I don't know if you can see them or not real clearly from all the way in the back, but there are layers of blue, and then there are layers of green. I've kind of set a pattern here in this jar, and so we have a layer of blue, green, layer of blue, and a layer of green, and so uh, there's a pattern here, uh, but uh, when we start shaking up of this jar, when we start uh, moving and causing uh, a man a change in this jar, we find that the pattern is now gone. The pattern that I worked really hard to try and not mix the green and the blue stones to make each uh, each level distinct, a man is now gone. And so you say, well, why would you shake it then? Why would you shake it if you knew that it was going to uh, uh, make uh, a difference or it's going to take away the pattern? And uh, so uh, if we keep shaking it, uh, sometimes we might have a little bit of hope to see uh, how long that it's going to take that maybe these stones will just go back to the starting point to where uh, they will recreate the original pattern that was started out. So uh, we can keep shaking it, and we can keep moving it, and we can keep looking and watching and uh, having hopes that uh, it'll go back to its original pattern. 
But how many knows that's never going to happen? There's no way that that's going to happen. So uh, we can just accept any pattern that any pattern that comes. Maybe the pattern, uh, let's say the pattern would be vertical. Let's say the pattern would end up being horizontal, uh, which is neither of those, but I'm just, uh, I'm trying to make a point. But any symmetrical uh, orderly arrangement uh, would be uh, acceptable. So we would just accept that pattern. And uh, it, it, it will it take very long for the marbles to form a pattern. How long would it take that if we accept any pattern, so if we're if we're not uh, if we realize that it's not going to go back to how I had it to layers of blue and layers of green, then uh, maybe we keep shaking it and we'll just accept uh, whatever ordered symmetrical pattern shows up. How long will it take for uh, a distinct pattern to come out of the shaking of these stones? And so uh, the point being is, no matter how long we shake it. There's no symmetrical pattern ever going to happen in this. It's all just going to be scattered and uh, a bit chaotic in here now uh, and a mixture of that pattern that I had. So uh, so many possible patterns, right? So many things that you can imagine and you can maybe come up with, but none of them seem to appear. And so uh, uh, that's what we want to uh, look at for just a few minutes because that in itself, uh, if we uh, understand that, could be one of the most uh, incredible mysteries uh, of the world that we live in. Okay, that uh, no matter how you shake it, uh, and no matter what you do, uh, there's not going to be a, a distinct pattern that's going to show up. So we get uh, so accustomed to that idea, right? Uh, here in the world, we get accustomed to that, uh, that whatever it is uh, that's going to happen, it's just not going to take place because it's easier to break an order pattern than it is to create one. So we don't give it much thought or much attention. So we don't really work uh, as much as I was. We really would not work because after the first time, you said to yourself, he's wasting his time. It's never going to form a pattern, Right? Now you stay with me. I'm just, I'm just setting the stage here for where we're going to be going. Amen. So, uh, so we get accustomed to that, right? Because uh, had it been you, I was doing it on purpose to make a point. But had it been you, you would have stopped. Yeah. Right? Because you would have said there's no use to even try to do that. So you would have accepted this scattered pattern. You would have accepted it as it was. There's a scientific name for that. And that scientific name for that is entropy. Okay, and uh, uh, so you say, well, what is entropy? I'm glad you asked. Naming something and describing it are really uh, two different things, and neither of them uh, mean uh, necessarily uh, means that you necessarily understand it. So you may be able, I say entropy, and you're like, what is that? And so I may describe it, and I may name it, but it still doesn't mean that you're going to understand it. Right? There are some things that uh, we just, even though we know what it is, we don't necessarily understand it. So uh, entropy is really a scientific thing that helps us understand why that it can take 15 years or so to build a symmetrical structure of the towers of the World Trade Center, but only a couple of hours to literally convert it into a pile of rubble. So it can take... 15 years to 
to take that pattern and that symmetrical structure to get it uh, exactly the way that uh, it is designed to be, but then in just a matter of a couple hours uh, is all it takes to make it a pile of chaos, a pile of chaotic rubble. So uh, entropy is defined as a process of degradation or a process of running down or a trend to disorder. So entropy, uh, it, it was, it's kind of like what would happen if you would buy a brand new uh, shiny car, brand new, 20, say a 2023, you would buy a brand new shiny car and you leave that car in a field and let's just get crazy and say you leave it in the field for 200 years. So you buy it brand new, it's shiny, there's nothing wrong with it. You leave that brand new shiny car in a field for 200 years. When you come back in 200 years, what are you going to find? You're going to find rusty steel. You're going to find broken glass. You're going to find decomposed, probably decomposed piles of rubber. And it would really be unrecognizable from that shiny new car that you parked there 200 years earlier. That's kind of the... Uh, the basis of entropy. That's kind of, uh, of what it means. So now, let's reverse that. What if you took a pile of rusted seal, a whole truckload of broken glass, several piles of decomposed rubber, and you put all of that in a field, and uh, how long will it take it to turn into a shiny new car? It's never going to happen, right? That's never going to take place. What about 300 years? About 750 years. What about a thousand years? Well, even after a thousand years, that 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 pile of of, of rubber, <coughs> and that truckload of broken glass, and that rusty steel is not going to turn into a shiny brand new car. No. no, it's not going to happen. Okay, and so even if I were to shake this jar until 2035, <laughs> if I were to shake this jar. 12 more years, the pattern will not come back by accident. It is just not going to happen. It's impossible. And you say, well, I thought we were having Bible study. We are. I'm trying to get you to understand something, get, get you to see uh, again back in the beginning. So uh, that's one of the most important things about our world that uh, we need to know, that we need to understand, that uh, it really lies even at the heart of uh, our agricultural system, that knowing the secret uh, of the world's tendency towards chaos is vital. Because you see right now, this is chaos. Right. It was ordered. It was in a nice order. It had a nice pattern. But now it's chaos. And so when we understand the secret of the world's tendency toward chaos then we see how vital that is to our economics. It's vital to the very foundation of, uh, of engineering and construction. Uh, it's vital to the fact that uh, we need this to, to stay married. We need this understanding to raise great kids in just about every uh, other aspect of building a civilization. We understand the tendency towards chaos. Okay, that's, that's what we need to understand. And so uh, even, even ordinary people like you and I need to understand this in order to run our lives. We need to recognize the extraordinary concept that God has built into this world. 
the tendency towards chaos, <coughs> the tendency to uh, for that entropy that things will not just happen by accident. Things will not just go back to the way they're supposed to be by accident. That explains why your kids' rooms uh, become cluttered, why they become those messy places, and seldom do they rearrange themselves back into clean, very pristine places that you would call a showroom. <laughs> they just don't clean themselves. Don't you wish they did? Yeah. I wish the house would clean itself. I wish the dishes would wash themselves, but they don't. Okay? And so we need to understand that. We need to realize that God built that into this world. And so uh, it's kind of the same concept. If you neglect your car, uh, not even 200 years, if you neglect your car, you're going to neglect your car uh, just two months. And in, in time, that car is going to look dirty, it's going to become rusty, and it's going to become run down. If you do not uh, occupy a home, if a house, isn't it amazing that if a house stands empty and is not occupied, you would think that, that house would be, would stay perfect, but that house begins to deteriorate. It has a tendency to go towards chaos, Okay. And so, uh, on the other hand, if you buy a clunker, if you buy a lemon that's all rusted and run down, uh, it's never going to become a shiny new car all on its own, no matter how long you wait for it to happen. Right? You can sit that thing in the driveway and hope that it's going to become uh, like a brand new car, and it's not going to do that on its own. This, this, this mystery that I'm going to call it tonight uh, but this mysterious force, this idea of entropy, as science calls it, explains why when you neglect a garden, it can turn into a jungle. That if you don't tend that garden, that it's going to become a jungle. And no matter how long you neglect a jungle, it's never going to turn into a beautiful arranged garden. So if you, if you neglect that beautiful garden, it's going to become a jungle. And no matter how long you neglect a jungle, it's never going to turn into a pretty garden. It's not just going to happen. And so just think, we said all that just by shaking a jar of stones. And that was my point. I need you to understand, and I want you to see how God thinks and what God was thinking about when God was um, putting things into place. Now, science can name the source Science can determine the rules for how long it takes for things to break down, right? Science can determine that. All of these scientific experiments have been done. All of these things have, have taken place and they can determine that. But what we want to know is what message is God sending us by building that rule into the world? What message is God trying to tell us by by putting that rule, he built that rule into the world. And so what message is God trying to speak to us as uh, those who are uh, reading his word, those that are following him, those that are serving him, what message is he trying to tell us? First of all, that chaos is a major part of our lives. Chaos is a very major part of our lives. And the idea that things naturally move towards falling <laughs> apart. That's what God wants us to know by building this 
idea, this force into the world, is that chaos is a major part of our lives, and that the idea that things naturally move towards chaos, they do not naturally move towards perfection. It doesn't work that way. Why are we surprised when God warns us of this very thing so early in the scriptures? In the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, God warns us of this very thing, that our lives naturally move toward chaos. And he warns us, and he shows us, and he speaks to us in his word in the very beginning that we have to understand this. And so that's why you just can't sit back and let things happen. We just cannot sit back just because Jesus said he was coming, just because Jesus said that these things would happen, just because Jesus said that when we see these things, to know that his coming is mine does not mean that we who are ready can sit back, stop praying, stop fasting, stop reading, stop telling people, stop waiting, stop doing all the things that we know to do. Uh, the Christians say, well, I don't need to pray because things are going to happen anyway. You're doing exactly what we're talking about tonight. You're letting things that naturally move towards chaos, you're letting that happen when you have the power and you have the ability to turn that around. So the things and the chaos that's happening in the world, it's happening and it's God ordained, but how many knows that it does not have to have the devastating effect on God's people that it has to have on those who it is bringing judgment. It does not have to have that. How are we able to change that? By doing what we know to do to cause the chaos to go the other direction. Because it's just not going to happen. This is one of the reasons why you must pray. Even though he knows what you need before you ask, you must ask him in faith. Believing. Okay? So, this is what he did in the story of Noah and the flood. This is exactly what God did in the story of Noah and the flood. He built into it this message of chaos. He built into it this understanding that we are surrounded by chaos and that if we don't do something, that the chaos will overtake us. Okay? So we go, now we go in the beginning. Everybody say in the beginning. Say with me, I told you tonight's going to be I'm laying some things. I need to do some groundwork here so that we can uh, move into the meat of things. So let's look at Genesis verse one, chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Pretty simple, right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but we would normally think that the next verse would list all the things that he made. The sun, the moon, all the vegetation, the waters, all of the things that the Bible tells us later on that God made when, when he said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and we would normally, uh, uh, you know, I think we would say, and he created da, 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 right? He created all of these saints. But verse 2 says this, 
And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, when you look at this uh, at the, the phrase there, without form, and you look at the word void. Go ahead and pull up that. I believe that's to the first slide. The, the, the phrase, the statement without form is the Hebrew word tohu. And the word void is the Hebrew word bogus. So when you read without form and void in the Hebrew, you would, uh, it would read tohu va bohu. And so it would say that uh, that the earth was without tohu, and the, wor the world, or the earth, was without bohu. And then it says, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now the word deep in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word tahom. Okay? So, uh, again, you want to look at what God is saying. Do you understand? And if you don't, just let me interject really quickly that uh, the Hebrew language uh, tells us a lot about what God is saying. There can be one word in the Hebrew language that can be uh, that can take on several meanings depending on how it's used and in what context it's used. So these words may be used elsewhere in Scripture and they take on a different connotation or a different meaning. This is why uh, we look at the ancient root. We look at uh, what ancient Jewish wisdom says about these words and about uh, when they were written and how they were written. So, without form and void is the Hebrew words tohu and bohu, and the word deep is tohom. Now, there's different English translations that say uh, that earth was with, with a formless void and darkness was on the face of the deep. But when we look at the word tohu and we look at the word tohom, there is uh, a connection with those words, they are almost alike. Uh, tohu and tohom uh, in the uh, in the ancient root of where they uh, originate from, they are almost alike. So ancient Jewish wisdom interprets them as chaos and turmoil. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was in chaos and turmoil. Okay. Important that you uh, understand that because this sets the precedence for what's going to come uh, just ten generations <coughs> later. So, what we have to understand about this is that chaos and turmoil are the Earth's natural condition. So that's the Earth's natural condition is chaos and turmoil. God brought order out of that. God brought order out of that chaos and out of that turmoil. And so this is how we understand that uh, before the flood begins, the world now reverts back to the state that it was in the beginning. So that before the flood began, they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage Marrying, giving in marriage, amen? So they were doing all of these things. The earth was filled with violence, the Bible says, about the days of Noah. And so uh, what we see now is that before the flood, chaos and turmoil are the earth's natural condition. God spoke, 
God brought, are you hearing me? He brought order out of that chaos. He brought order out of that turmoil. So before the flood begins, the world has reverted back to the state, and now it has to be banished before the flood can end. So this is one of the reasons why there had to be destruction. This is one of the reasons why God could not allow the world to continue in the state that it was in because it was going back to its natural condition, which was chaos and turmoil. So as it was in the days of Noah, this is why the Bible says that in the last days that the earth will cry out, somebody help me. Somebody stop these people. They're, they're, they're causing, they're causing turmoil, they're causing chaos. And how many knows that uh, I'm just going to say, uh, uh, you know, gee whiz, five years, just five years ago, things were so much different than they are now. We're not even going to talk about 2020. But even before 2020, things were, 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 were becoming way out of whack. Right? How many times did you say this world was crazy? This world has lost its mind. Even people who don't know Jesus say, something's wrong with this world. This world is crazy. I've said it many, many times. I miss my mom fiercely, and I wouldn't bring her back for nothing, but I'm so thankful that she's not here to have to deal with the craziness that's in this world. I look at what these young people have to face and what they have to deal with uh, going to school. And it is nothing like it was 40 years ago when I was uh, in school. It's nothing like it was. But it's not even anything like it was for those of you that graduated in the last 5 to 10 years. The things that they face, the things that not only they see with the natural eye, but the things that they encounter in the spirit. There is darkness. You understand that. Uh, that the leaders and the government and the things that are happening, uh, the permission that the world is giving darkness, the permission that the government, the laws that are, uh, are being passed and are trying to be passed, the things that are happening that are giving sin permission to be legal. Things that used to be a no-brainer. It didn't, it didn't even have to, you didn't even have to go to church. There were just things in the world's moral code that everybody, most everybody across the board knew that just wasn't right. That's just not something that is acceptable. That's just not something that feels right. Now, they're legalizing all of these things. And so these spirits that are attached to all of these legalized things that are happening are now roaming the halls of the schools with your children. These spirits are, are getting, uh, have been given legal rights to uh, sit in the classroom uh, with your children. They've been given the legal rights to uh, be on the school property, to be at the extracurricular events. They've been given the rights. Are you understanding me? The legal rights. And so if you do not, uh, first of all, cover your children, second of all, train your children, and they do not understand the truth, and you do not, whether they like it or not, you do not 
teach them and make them understand the truth and the power of the gospel and the structure of the scripture, guess what? Those spirits are going to overtake them. And they're not going to recognize and they're going to see it as acceptable. And they're going to begin to conform even though they may not understand it, even though they may not like it, they're going to, uh, amen, they're going to accept it because it is the uh, the cultural thing to do. It's better to go with it than to go against it. But what's happening now is that uh, this natural, natural tendency to go towards chaos is happening and we're getting to the place where the world and God is saying alright this is enough this destruction has got to come there's got to be a new heaven and a new earth can I get somebody to help me understand what, uh, what we're saying tonight amen so uh, before the flood happened, the world had now reverted back to this state of chaos and turmoil, and God said that it's got to be banished before the flood can end. So, however long it takes, however long that it needs to be, God said it must, must remain until this is banished. So, we're getting ready to come up on Thanksgiving. Now, I do, I do 99% of the cooking for our family for Thanksgiving. Now, just think about if you have to make dinner for your family at Thanksgiving, and you walk into your kitchen, and it looks like a hurricane went through. We would say what? The first thing we need to do is clean this up before we can even think about cooking. I know that's what I would do. I would be like, there is no way that I can cook in all this chaos. All of this disorder. Everything out of place. Nothing in its rightful place, right? Our, our, the first thing we would say is we have to clean it up. This is the same thing God does. He looks at the chaos and he takes it and he creates order out of it. He, he says, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do anything with this the way that it is. But i got, I got to take this and i gotta, I got to create order. But why would God do that? Why would, why would God start the world with chaos and darkness? He could have just created the world with light, with order, and with all the patterns and all of the beauty first. He could have just... Created, created all of it immediately. Why would God create the world with chaos and darkness? And we can look at ancient Jewish wisdom and they, their thinking on this is that God started the world with this rule or with this concept of chaos to teach us this lesson. To show us that chaos is God's default position. You want to be thankful for that. Because out of the chaos in my life, he took it and made something great. He will take 
everything that the enemy meant for evil. And out of that, he will create order. And he will make it good. He'll make it good. So, to show us that chaos is God's default position. That it doesn't take long for things that easily slip back into disorder. How many knows that if you fall back on your devotion, your fellowship, which is your prayer life, the word, your worship, if you fall back on being in the house of God with corporate worship and the word, it doesn't take very long for you to slip back to where your life is out of order. It doesn't take very long for chaos to begin to ensue. And you do not have to do anything. You don't even have to overtly sin. You don't even have to go out and get drunk or go out and get get high or go out and steal something or, or tell a lie or or, or, uh, or cheat someone. You don't even have to go out and do an overt sin for things to start going back to chaos. Because it's a natural tendency. So that goes to show that you can't just sit and do nothing and expect your life to be in the favor of God. You can't be that pile of steel and broken glass and decomposed rubber and sit there and wait for a shiny new car to just show up. You can't just go through the motions. You can't just not do anything and expect your the favor of God to be in your life and to walk in the spirit and to, to know that God is hearing your prayers when you do pray. Come on. You can't, you can't do that because God has set it, built it into the earth, into the world, that it naturally reverts back to chaos and turmoil. So you don't even have to, to, to do anything to make a mess of things. It's just going to happen. And that's what the enemy doesn't want you to know. Why? Because it takes energy. It takes effort to push that chaos and to prevent it from triumphing. You've got to pray. You've got to read the word. You've got to have a, a, a life of worship. You've got to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. You've got to make yourself be in the house of the Lord. You've got to allow yourself uh, to grow. You've got to take hold of what God has set to walk in obedience. You've got to resist the enemy. You've got to fast. You've got to do these things. You've got to put on the whole armor of God. You have got to do all these things in order to push back the chaos. Amen. The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. That means the gates of hell are constantly advancing. Do you understand that? The gates of hell are constantly advancing. What we have to do is push it back. We don't, we don't need to wait. And if we stop resisting, the moment that you stop moving, the moment you stop pushing, the moment that you stop 
what is necessary to push back the gates of hell, what's going to happen. Okay, you're not going anywhere. So understand that. You're not moving. If you're not pushing and you're not <laughs> advancing, then you're not moving. So then what's going to happen? The distance that was between you and the enemy, amen, the enemy is now gaining ground. The enemy is now advancing into your territory. So now, somehow, some way, he has slipped into your house. Somehow, some way, he has got into your marriage. Somehow, some way, he has got into your children. Somehow, some way, he has got into your finances. Somehow, some way, he's got in and he has stripped you of your sleep and your rest and your peace. And he's getting more and more and more ground and he's advancing. And the more that he advances, Amen. The more you're going to have to do now to take back what he has stolen. And he did not have to do it. Amen. He did not have to be sneaky about it because you allowed him. We gave him permission by stopping to put forth the effort to stop the turmoil and the chaos. And you say, well, it's hard. It's hard, but it's not impossible. We have everything that we need to resist the enemy. We have everything that we need to advance the kingdom. And so as you now push back, amen, the gates of hell, as you move forward, now you're taking ground. You're taking what the enemy wants occupied, and it already belongs to you because you see, all the all of the, the territory between you and the gates of hell already belongs to you. It's already yours. Amen. That's why your household is already saved in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everything that God has promised you is already taken care of. So uh, every time you advance, uh, so every time the enemy tells you that there's no use to pray, every time the enemy says that there's no use to fast, every time he says there's no use to go to church, Every time he says, oh, you know what? Uh, a little bit of this is not going to hurt you. Uh, just a little bit is not going to make that big of a difference. It's really not uh, a sin or it's really not wrong. And, and so just a little bit is not going to hurt you, but it's that little bit of compromise uh, that's now going to cause you to begin to uh, stop resisting. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? And even though you're still pushing and you're still moving and going towards the strength that you once had to push and to hold back is now becoming weaker because you are now living in a state of compromise. Can, can I get you to understand that? This is why it is important that, that you not be your child's best buddy. It's important that you not be your child's best friend, but they need you to tell them the truth. They're not going to push back and advance what God has put in their life. You have to do that for them and with them as they come along and teach them how to do that. So every step you take is advancing, not only advancing the kingdom, but it's taking back what the enemy thought he had. And so if you don't do anything, then it's what's going to happen is that the enemy is going to keep advancing and chaos is going to begin to you're going to wake up one day and think, what in the world? Why would God let this happen to me? Why, 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 why in the world would all of this happen? I, I, I don't understand it. Are you with me? Amen. 
Praise God. So you've got to realize that things easily <laughs> slip back into disorder. But it takes energy. It takes effort to push that chaos and to prevent it from being triumphant. We see this in creation in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. You'd pull that up there for me. <coughs> and the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, when you, when you look at the word dress and the word keep there, it literally means to work it and care for it. So he took Adam, which he created. We get all that, right? God created Adam from the dust of the earth. And then God took him, and the Bible says he put him in a garden, <coughs> the garden of Eden, to work it and to care for it. Now think about that. Adam had no taxes. He had no bills. He had an abundance of food to eat. He didn't have to worry about whether or not he was going to eat. But he is immediately required to work because that beautiful garden would begin to decay if he didn't work it. So it doesn't matter how much blessing we have access to. It doesn't matter that we've got the favor of God in our life and we've had a little bit of Jesus, we're victorious and we're triumphant and Jesus is coming and that's all that matters to me. No, 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 no. If you don't work it, if you don't keep it, if you don't take care of it, if you do not tend to what God has put in your stewardship, then it's going to naturally decay. It's going to begin to deteriorate. So without the ongoing maintenance, without injecting some kind of energy, if I can say that for the lack of being scientific, but I kind of want to, for you to understand uh, uh, that, you know, science takes credit that God was before science. God created science. This is science, but God created it. And when you understand that, it, it, it will help you and, and, and help you to grow. So, so without the ongoing maintenance, without injecting some energy into that system, right? Because it's now a system that God has built into the world. And you can't change it. There ain't a demon that can change that. There ain't, there's not a government leader that can change that. There's not an official. There's not a, a, a level of royalty. There's not a level of authority in the earth that is able to change the system that God has built into the earth. And we ought to be thankful for that. Because right. that's the reason he is out here. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, without putting something into the system, things will begin to deteriorate. Things will begin to back off, right? Your gardens... Your houses, your workspace, in your kids' rooms. If somebody don't put the effort or the energy into it, it's going to deteriorate. That's what happens when you see hoarders. They put no effort into putting order. And so they end up in chaos. <coughs> and the very thing that they're trying to achieve is not happening because there's chaos and disorder. And so without constant, everybody say constant. constant. 
without constant injection of energy or doing something or putting into this system, disorder takes over, and guess what? Chaos is going to win. Chaos is going to win. It's the same thing for human societies. It's the same thing for families, for neighborhoods, and for even countries. So both physical and spiritual entropy, just as an unattended garden, a garden that is not taken care of, a garden that is not tended to, will turn into a jungle all by itself. You will not have to do anything to that garden for it to turn into a jungle. If you leave a child unguided and allow that child to spend more time in front of the TV instead of a parent, that child will never develop into an ordered person of character, conscience, and goodness. But more than likely, that child will be a brat and maybe even a monster, a criminal, a murderer, a rapist. They may become everything, an abuser, everything that you did not want them to be. So without putting something into the system, chaos is going to happen. It takes constant energy. It takes constant effort. It takes constant direction, right? Those of you that are married, it takes constant energy and direction to cause a marriage to survive, let alone thrive. We're not talking about just surviving. We're talking about thriving. If you don't put anything into it, it's going to be <coughs> And before you know it, the true blessings we consider a wonderful life. If you don't put the effort and you don't put the energy into it, marital bliss does not just happen. Okay. <laughs> I'm positive. You ever said, are you sure? I am positive. It does not come natural. But what does come natural is chaos. chaos. That if you don't put the effort to make the relationship healthy, happy, <coughs> and whole, then what's going to happen to it? It's going to turn into chaos. It's going to deteriorate. It's the same thing when a country stops injecting proper truths and values, <coughs> ideas, and principles into its very citizens, it is not going to coast, just going to coast along, maintain the liberties and the privileges that the previous generations fought, struggled to attain. It's not going to happen. If we do not inject proper truths and values, we see that happening right now. That's what's happening right now. And I don't want to sound political, but there's things coming up November the 7th. You need to get out and vote. You know how I feel about voting. I believe that a Christian should vote. 
It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a privilege and it's a liberty to do so. Why make, why make a difference? Have you not listened to anything else? If you do not interject any kind of effort to turn the chaos, that's chaos. Right? If you don't put the effort to, to, to stop it, it will go. <laughs> you say it will not make a difference. But if you do not push back and you do not make the effort to push back, then the kingdom of darkness is going to advance. And I could I could give you a copy of some of the things that that they're trying to the little details that they leave out that they're trying to put in and trying to change some laws here in this coming uh, this coming election right here in Ohio that is literally going to change the lives of your children. It's literally going to have such a devastating effect on this generation. And we've got to push back against that chaos. Because we've got something that can drive it back. That's my political input. Because previous generations have fought and they struggled to attain these liberties. And we're not just going to coast along if we do not speak improper truths. What's going to happen to a country like that, it's going to begin to disintegrate. And it has no choice but to be completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. don't, don't think America is exclusive in this world right. that God's going to save us out of every country. Right. Because America is disintegrating. Mm -hmm. And from the pattern that we see in the Word of God, that when 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 something gets to that original state of chaos and turmoil, it's the one thing to do. Wipe it out. Bring 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 something until all of that is gone. So this is why we've got to be careful. So if we put the right amount of effort, the right amount of energy, the right amount of truth uh, into it. Uh, then uh, that will prevent the chaos from happening. And if we don't do that, then chaos is going to happen and it's going to make it painful for all who are living in that country. Can I get an amen? That's where we are right now. That's where we are right now. It's, it's gotten painful to live in America. And we're one of the most blessed countries in the world. Right? Right, we can say that. And still say that in truth. But if we begin to end the turmoil and the chaos, or can I put it this way, if we begin to imitate God, if we begin to imitate God, guess what? We can banish disorder. We can abolish the chaos. But we've got to imitate God. Are you with me out there? Yes. This, is not, this Bible says is not going to make you shout. Okay? So don't... don't don't, don't, don't think that you're going to be like, ooh, yes, hallelujah. You can. So what would happen if we imitate God? If we, if we begin to uh, end the turmoil, if we begin to end the chaos by imitating God, what's going to happen? It's going to bring light. <coughs> Jesus said what? You are the light of the world, right? It's going to bring enlightenment. 
He said, you are the what? The salt of the earth. When you bring healing, it brings peace. It brings uh, 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 freedom. It brings hope. It brings uh, rest. Amen. It brings enlightenment. So he said that we are to be salt and light. So if we imitate God and uh, to we push back the turmoil and the chaos, then it's going to bring light. It's going to bring enlightenment. But it's also going to bring structure. It's going to bring order. And get this, above all, it's going to bring predictability. You used to be able to predict, but we can't anymore. Why? Because chaos is in control. When we stop imitating God, when we stop bringing in the light and the structure and the order, we have now lost predictability. I tell people, people say, people ask me, why, why do you continue to study the Hebrew? Because it makes me understand how God thinks. Yes. And when I understand how God thinks, I don't question it. I'm not saying that I don't question him because I've done it this year. But I don't question him as often over little things that I used to question. When I, when, when I see, when I look, and we study and see this pattern that God built into the earth, into the beginning, in the days of Noah. And then we see as ten generations move forward and we see something happening. And we see God intervening on a world that he created and spoke that was beautiful. Are you with me? Amen. Praise God. And then Jesus makes it a point when he's talking about the very times we're living in right now. To say, just like it was in the days of Noah, that's how it's going to be before I come. I think that it's important for us to understand. And I believe that if you understand why the things have to happen the way that they are, it'll be able to, because revelation brings a breakthrough. Revelation crushes hell. Revelation pushes back demons. And when you and get a greater understanding of why God's doing what he's doing and that this has got to happen this way, if you, amen, will hold on and trust, that revelation is going to push back some of that fear and anxiety that's over some of you being afraid of what God's doing in these last days, not knowing what's happening. But when you understand that he built it into the world, and so whether or not... Things happen the way they do. It's got to, it can only last for so long. And we're getting to that place. But here's the thing. You know, uh, for, for us humanoids, <laughs> you know, for us real people, predictability is usually associated with boring, Right? They're pretty predictable. That would be kind of going, I want somebody that's, that, that's spontaneous. It's okay to have a surprise party every now and then. It's okay to, to do spur-of-the-moment things. I'm not talking about that. Uh, but when the laws of a country are consistently and constantly changing, life becomes unpredictable. And guess what? That ain't fun. When the laws, and that's what's happening right now, there's been so many laws that have changed. There's been so many things that have changed. So many legal rights have been given to 
immorality and to sin and to chaos. And now uh, it, it brings unpredictability in our lives and, and, and that's not fun. If tax, if tax regulations are constantly changing, then it's going to be nerve-wracking to try to make a living. Right? If they're constantly changing, it's nerve-wracking to work because you're never going to know if it's going to be enough. Right? Or you're never going to know how much the taxes is going to be. So if the tax requirement and the tax bracket is changing, then you've got to pay more taxes. That means you've got to make more money. Are you with me? And so then it's like, it's that if you don't know if it's going to go, it's like having a variable interest rate. At any given time, your payment can go up. And if you don't budget for that, what's going to happen? It's going to bring chaos. And it's not going to be any fun. That's exactly what I'm talking about. When you get that uh, whole idea of what was permitted yesterday is today prohibited, or what was prohibited yesterday is permitted today, then we all begin to experience a deep discomfort. Because you never know what is going to happen the next day. So it's just like, it's just like, stay with me, it's just like when an election sweeps in and there's a new political party that comes on the scene. They take over with new leaders and they have a new political vision with ideas and principles that are very different from the old system. Right? Very different from the ways of old. It makes people feel uneasy. Why? Because things are now unpredictable. Now the things that you were sure of and you were used to, now you can't trust. I think of this a lot, and I probably shouldn't, but I do. How many ever thought when you're driving, can you really count on the other car to not just drive through the red light? And to stop? Can you really just hang on that car not pulling out into the intersection from that side street even though you got the right of way? When you get on a plane, can you really count on that mechanic who's supposed to have checked the plane's engine? Can you really count on the fact that he wasn't drunk or high when he checked it? Oh, man. You can't count on that. You can't count on that. And so that's why it's only in a society. See, now we're talking about our society because that's part of why we're here. That's part of what was taking place. And, and, and only in a society that values predictability and a society that works constantly to fight chaos, resisting what? Tehu and Tehom. Put that back up for me if you would. That last slide that you had up. Only, only a society that resists chaos and turmoil, only a society that values that predictability, will we see any kind of order and any kind of predictability. So, so chaos is really never exciting. How many enjoy chaos? You're weird. Right. <laughs> You're different. <laughs> Chaos is, is not exciting and it can almost be endurable, unendurable. 
Right? You can almost see, man, I, I can't take much more of this. Yeah. After after so much chaos, you're like, oh. Something's got to change, or I can't take this. Uh-huh. Can you walk with your kids with uh-huh. I can't handle this. You got it, you got it, you got it, you got it. If you would just put it back. When you get it out. Right? When you're done, put it back. It's got a place, put it back. Right? It, it, it can be almost unendurable. So, our, our, our question now all of that, some of you are like, man, I thought this was going to be a little bit more interesting. Than that. Well, that's what you get for thinking, first of all. <laughs> but what's this have to do with Noah? This is the question that we're asking. This is, this is a question because that turmoil and that chaos, that tohu and that tohom it began to show up ten generations after creation. Now, creation is not a word that's commonly used in Hebrew. So when it's used, it, it, it's, it's, it's used as, it, it's a capital letter. So it's, a, it's an event. It's a title. It's not just something that was in the beginning. So in the Hebrew language, it's not a word that's commonly used. So when it is used, it's really signifying the very event uh, from the beginning. And so uh, uh, this uh, uh, this turmoil and this chaos, this who and this home, begin to show up ten generations after creation, just as the flood is about to begin. So just as this flood is about to begin, we see this chaos and this turmoil. We can look in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, about to finish it for tonight. It says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, and the 17th day of the month, the same day were all of the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. The fountains of the great deep, go back, please. <coughs> the word deep in this scripture so it says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, so in the 600, in the 17th day of the second month, on that same day, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, the windows of heaven were open. The word deep here is the word to home. So go back now, remember what to home means. It means turmoil. So the to home, the fountains of the Tahom, or turmoil, were broken up. Now, after the flood, in Genesis 8 and 2, it says the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. (coughs) So, after the flood, so when the flood began, the chaos or the turmoil opened up. And was released. But when the flood ended, what happened? It closed up. So there was a termination of the chaos. The chaos was stopped. So this was literally a replication of creation. So now 
the earth was back to that state. Are you with me? That a replication of creation, the introduction of chaos onto the earth, and an ending of chaos when God brings order back into the world. See, when this world ends, when this current world ends, there's going to be a new world, a new earth. And we're going to be citizens of that new earth. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So right now, the reason that God has to bring judgment is because the world has now reverted back to the condition that the earth was in in the days of Noah. And the only thing left for God to do is to bring order back to the earth. We just get to be part of that. He just included us in that thing. So the final state of the world before the rain began to even fall was one of chaos. I'm about to, I'm about to close. The chaos was banished before man was allowed to start living on the earth again after the flood. So before Noah and his family could come out of the ark and before Noah and his family could live on the earth again, all of the chaos had to be banished. That's why the flood came. But the Bible says, God said, I'll never destroy the world in this way again. So we know he's not going to destroy the chaos, or he's not going to put an end to the chaos by way of the flood again. God didn't bring on the chaos. But the ten generations that came between Adam and Eve and Noah, <coughs> they brought on the chaos. So what what didn't they do? They did not inject that necessary energy, effort, all of the things to keep the chaos at bay. They did not do what they needed to do. We're going to talk about what they did. We're going to get into that, not tonight, but we're going to, we're going to get into the media. We're going to talk about what they did, and we'll see why they're doing what they're doing today, because what they're doing today, they did in the days of nothing. It's just a different... Setting. So they didn't do what was necessary to keep the chaos back. So by Noah's generation, the world had, has evolved into such disorder that God chose to destroy all of humanity except for Noah and his family, and he started all over again. So they didn't do what was necessary. So here's, here's the important thing, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bring it to an end here. We're going, to, we're going to start next phase that we're going to get into. Uh, you don't have to do anything to cause chaos. You don't have to do a thing. So if you want your life to be a mess, you want your marriage to be a mess, you want your finances to be a mess, don't do anything. Don't put forth any effort. It comes by itself unless you resist by pushing back with the faith and the effort, and even the strength, and the energy, and motivation, amen, and doing so is to do it the right way, which is God's way. So you can't do it a religious way. You can't do it according to the denominational statutes. You can't do it according to the world's way. You've got to do it God's way. So 
Here we got all of these far-fetched conclusions from one Hebrew word for chaos. But here's the thing. Everything we believe, everything depends on whether we believe that the Bible is a divine blueprint for our lives or it's just a collection of fables and legends. Everything depends on whether or not you believe that from Genesis to Revelation, that is God's divine blueprint for your life. When you look from Genesis 1 and you see the pattern, you see the system that God set and built into this earth, and it's why things happen and things work the way that they work today. It's not science. It's God's creating. We call it science. Science has discovered it, but has set it and built it into the world. So you either believe that the Bible is God's divine blueprint for life, or it's a book of legends and fables. It's one or the other. You can't have it halfway. It's either all true or none of it's true. You can't believe half of it. I got people tell me, you preach too much on the Old Testament. I don't believe we need the Old Testament. Don't I? You don't need Jesus. Because if we didn't have the Old Testament, we wouldn't have the portion of the Bible. The New Testament would not make sense if we didn't have the Old Testament. I've had people leave because they said, you preach too much of the Old Testament. Sorry. It's the Word of God. And if it's a scripture out of the Old Testament that gets me out of the belly of the whale, then I want that scripture. If it happens to be a scripture out of the New Testament that takes me through, then I want that scripture. Right. Are you with me? Amen. So you cannot believe that part of it is true right. or right and part of it isn't. Right. That's why I believe it's important to understand the Hebrew. Yeah. Because the Hebrew helps you understand that it all connects. Yeah. And that it all is meant to be one word. And Jesus came to fulfill it. So... As for me and my house, and as for this house, we believe it is the exact <laughs> word of God. Unequivocally, it's the exact word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. I appreciate you for coming tonight. Hopefully you got something out of this again. Don't, don't count it out. Amen? Some of you are like, oh, no, no, you know. But, but, but listen, this is important. Hopefully you understand. Amen? The reason why... That uh, I shook the jar to get you to understand, amen, uh, what God was doing when God created the earth. And when he created the earth, amen, he knew that he needed to put this into, build this into the earth. So young people, life is not going to just happen on your behalf. You can't live half-heartedly. You can't be one thing when you're here on Sunday and Thursday and something else when you're in school on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday and expect the blessings and the benefits of God's word to overtake you. You've got to put forth the effort to push back. And any time that you relax, the enemy's going to gain ground. Amen? Praise God. Next week, we're going to get into uh, some purposes and some uh, things and, and you'll find out it's interesting when you see uh, how they acted and what they did and you understand the Hebrew and the ancient Jewish wisdom behind it it'll make sense why people act in fool today oh, right.
for acting crazy. Amen? Praise God. We appreciate you. Amen? Stand with us tonight. Don't forget, 6.30.